Hop on board. It's time for another trip with the biker and the rabbi. Come on, let me in. I'm harmless. Serious. Where would you be without me? Today on The Biker and the Rabbi, we explore part one in our series about Yehuda and David and what can be learned from studying their life and challenges. And now, here's The Biker. Welcome back. I'm Biker, and it's great to be back with you. Serious? I just want to talk. Come on! Today, we begin a new study, The Lives of Yehuda and David. Now, as with Yosef, it might be kind of hard to imagine how these great men could possibly have lived lives you could relate to. Well, once again, it's time for you to see. They set the table for you to feast from. Okay, look, look, I get it. You seem to think I can be a little overbearing and that I lead you to places that are only for my good. But hey, don't you think I deserve a chance? On the other side of that door, throwing what can only be described as a hissy fit, is ego. Ego is what we listen to way too often. I resemble that remark. So, this is the perfect time to show you how readjusting your life focus and paying less attention to ego can lead you faster to truth and further from distractions that keep you from being your best self. I'm really beginning to take this personally. When we uphold the image of our successful self, we can take the high road of Yosef. But... Sometimes, the best and most powerful path forward is to admit that we are, in fact, powerless. And that leads us to the life of David. Look, I'm just a little bit misunderstood. Can we talk? David's life was filled with immense struggle, but in the end, created an enduring legacy we can all take something from. You're not going to start telling people about how the ego can lead you to making big-time life mistakes, are you? Uh. There might be something to that. How can you do this to me after all we've been through? Don't you think an ego has feelings? Nope. Okay, let me try this another way. You don't think you can ignore me, do you? Uh, really don't want to. You have your place, but it's not leading us in directions we should be heading. Without me, you're nothing. Nothing. I made you who you are. Uh-huh. See, that's what I mean. This is how you get trouble started. I don't follow. There's incredible power in the raw, honest living that comes with genuine ego negation. Ego negation. I don't like the sound of that. You mean just ignoring me? Uh, take a seat in the back of the bus for a while, and we'll see how the power of individual greatness starts with the power of being powerless. I don't think I'm going to like this a lot. Stick around, will you? This is about to get interesting. So stop what you're doing. It wouldn't hurt you to listen a little. Welcome back to the biker, the rabbi. So how do we derive our ultimate power from being powerless? It's a fascinating idea, isn't it, Rabbi Alpern? It certainly is, and it starts with Yehuda. Uh, uh, I thought we are going to be concentrating on David. I mean, there's a lot to go over here. 
How come you're starting with Yehuda? Because David can't happen without Yehuda. Uh, Rabbi, my head's beginning to hurt a little bit. It's okay. Let's start simply with Yehuda and Tamar. Am I going to need a scorecard by the time you get done introducing all these characters? It's not that complicated. It, it's all centered on this thought. Humility equals strength. The strength is understanding how to put your ego back in its place when all it wants to do is lead you in the wrong direction. Okay, so explain. Yosef, who represents strength, only emerges after Yehuda admits to his role with Tamar. And uh, Tamar was who? Was Yehuda's daughter-in-law, twice over. An incredible story. Oh, <laughs> okay, this is getting good. I'd like to hear this. Short version goes like this. Tamar was a woman so beautiful, Yehuda's oldest son couldn't resist her. So he married her, but wouldn't allow her to carry his seed because he doesn't want to alter her beauty. Ego came first, and he paid the price with his life. So now she's a widow? Now enters Yehuda's second oldest son. He took his brother's place and apparently did not learn the lesson of his older brother. No, he did the same thing. And he died too. That left Yehuda with just one son, his youngest. And he wasn't letting that happen again. So he sent Tamar away. I guess that solved the problem, right? Wrong. Tamar knew she had merited children from Yehuda's line, but now that couldn't happen unless... Unless what? Let's take a break and I'll fill in the rest. Oh, how can you do that to me, Rabbi? Come on, biker. You should know by now this is called a tease. Let's take a short break and we'll continue. (sighs) I hate when we do that. But come with us, won't you? Okay, we're back. So now... What happens? Tamar leaves Yehuda's house but knows she's to conceive from Yehuda's line. So she assumes the role of a harlot. She waits by the side of the road knowing that her father-in-law travels down this road often. Hmm. He sees her but does not recognize her. And so he engages her, giving her his ring and staff as a binder. Transaction complete. Not totally because Tamar conceives from this meeting. And as you may know, harlots were not treated kindly in biblical times. Or as I know, they could be sentenced to death. Right. Tamar was brought to court to explain, but refused to name the father. All she did was reveal the ring and staff to prove it wasn't a chance encounter. Yet, she was going to be sentenced to death. But then Yehuda stepped in, claimed his ring and staff, even though he really didn't have to. His ego could have easily led him to protect himself. But once he stepped forward, he was powerless to protect himself from the shame the incident caused, yet he willingly did it. Now we can make the connection to show how Yehuda's selflessness leads to Yosef's ultimate greatness. Correct. When we uphold the image of our successful self, when we take the high road of Yosef. But sometimes the best and most powerful path is to admit that we are powerless, just as Yehuda does here. Ego is our enemy. Getting it out of the way is how to achieve incredible success. Yosef's challenges were targeted at his inner strength. Yehuda's were targeted at his external, emotional, and mental strength. Which means what, Rabbi? Yehuda's challenge wasn't about building character. After all, his character didn't come out looking all that good. It was exhibiting character. He put himself last to uphold Tamar's honor and life. Our so-called leaders today wouldn't do that. Take strength. It does. Yehuda spoke up, an amazing act of humility. And that's what made both Yehuda and Yosef great, locking ego away and allowing humility to be the order of the day. 
And this sets the stage for David, because David can take this lesson and create a holy life and legacy based on it. Not that he didn't have a challenge or two along the way. Of course, as with our greatest patriarchs and heroes, he led a very difficult life. But the ultimate negation of his ego and his complete submission to God helped mold a great man. So, Yehuda sets the table. And David feasts from it. But it's hard to tell your ego to take a back seat. That's why we have David's life, to help us see how to apply it to our very own challenges. This can be done in a world that's taught so many to be self-centered. As we explore, it will make sense even to the most hardened, self-centered person. Really, Rabbi? Absolutely. Let's ask the millions the world over who have found strength and inspiration from 12-step programs. Rabbi, I may like my caffeine, but that doesn't make me an addict. No matter. There's incredibly useful wisdom here, especially in step three, which is the crux of the program. Isn't that the one about how we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God? Right on, Biker. There's incredible power in the raw, honest living that comes with genuine ego negation. (laughs) Seems like we just scratched the surface and we haven't even touched King David yet. That'll come in due time, but first we'll go back and look at Yehuda's life one more time. What? When do we get to talk about David? Patience, Biker, patience. We have eight segments in this series, remember? Okay, okay, I get it. (sighs) Rabbi, you want to sum things up? Sure. Yosef represents strength. As we've discussed, Yosef's inner strength comes out to the fore, and he accomplishes incredible things. Yehuda, David, start with failure in a certain sense, and show us that with perfect humility, submission, ego negation... A person can climb to the greatest heights. Humility allows Yehuda to admit to the most embarrassing incident, which ultimately paves the way for his greatness and for his descendants, King David, and ultimately Mashiach. Thanks for being here today. I'll get your coat. It's time to go. Okay, that about wraps up another podcast. It's great to have you with us. And we'd like to request two things from you. First, if you like these, Please pass them along to friends and anyone you feel might enjoy the content. Second, if you have questions you'd like answered or just want to learn more, reach out to our recorded line at 303-820-2855. As always, a huge thanks to the Denver Colel for their support and the access to their resources. If you wish to support them in any way, visit their website at Denver. Kolel.org. Kolel spelled K-O-L-L-E-L. On our next podcast, we'll tackle one more aspect to Yehuda's life and how it helps to pave the way for the arrival of David, whose heart dominates his life and relationship to God, and how that life lesson really does relate to you in your life. Please join us. I'm Biker for Rabbi Halpern. Thank you, and God bless.